0: Hello friends! Welcome to the 16th episode of the Schoolyard Podcast, brought to you by School Specialty. I'm your host, Nancy Chung, a fun-loving teacher and content creator, also known as Fancy Nancy and Fifth on social media, and I'm thrilled that you're here. A special shout out to School Specialty, offers essential educational supplies and complete learning environment solutions to help you transform more than classrooms. School Specialty is excited to introduce Schoolyard Connect, a new site where educators can go to find helpful resources, including blogs, webinars, case studies, sample lesson plans, and more. Go to the site that's made for educators like you, schoolspecialty.com forward slash schoolyard hyphen connect. This is the Schoolyard Podcast, a podcast by educators, for educators, where the magic of learning unfolds. In the vibrant tapestry of education, neurodivergent students and teachers contribute unique threads that weave a rich and diverse learning experience for all. Imagine a classroom where creativity knows no bounds, where unconventional thinking is not just embraced, but celebrated. Neurodivergence, encompassing conditions such as ADHD, autism, dyslexia, and more, is not a hindrance, but a colorful palette that adds depth to the educational canvas. Students with diverse minds offer innovative perspectives, solving problems in ways that transcend the ordinary, while neurodivergent educators bring a dynamic energy to teaching, fostering an inclusive environment where every learner can flourish. Together, they redefine the conventional norms of education, turning classrooms into spaces where differences are valued, and the beauty of neurodiversity shines through in the shared journey of learning and growth. In today's episode, we'll be talking to Nicole Schlegel-Hope, current principal of the Academy of Arts and Knowledge, also known as AAK, with four years of leadership, focuses on tailoring curriculum enhancements for diverse learning needs. Her qualifications include a bachelor's in elementary and special education, a master's in human resources and educational leadership, and an additional master's in curriculum and instruction, trauma and resilience in educational settings. With extensive teaching experience across various educational settings, she's committed to fostering inclusive learning environments for student success. Welcome to the schoolyard, Nicole. Hi, thank you for having me. Hi, thank you so much for being here. Would you please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Absolutely.
1: Um, So currently, I am the administrator at the Academy of Arts and Knowledge. We are a pre-K through fifth grade public charter school in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, Prior to that, I've done a little bit of everything in education. Mm -hmm. I've taught K through 12 um, general ed special education in many different environments, as well as alternative education settings. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I've been an assistant principal and also a principal in the elementary settings. So. so many hats
0: (laughs) you've worn all the hats well thank you so much (laughs) kudos to you um so for anyone who's not who may not be familiar with the term could you please share what neurodiversity is
1: um for me it is just that inclusive term of students within the special education realm so it's Mm -hmm. students who are just thinking differently um, mm-hmm. That bringing that creativity, innovation, diversity into our educational world, um, students who just need maybe something a little bit different, um, mm-hmm. approach education different, um, who just need maybe that little something extra to mm-hmm. approach um, those educational standards for achievement.
0: Got it. Can you share a story about a moment when you realized the value of neurodiversity, either as a teacher um, or a principal or even as a student? And how, uh, maybe how did that understanding change the way you approach learning or teaching?
1: Yeah, I don't know if I realized it at the time, but Mm -hmm. definitely reflecting over my career, it was in the early 2000s. I was teaching special education in, in an alternative setting. It was um, in a high school setting, kind of that last step for students before there was kind of no place else. Mm-hmm. Um, behavior-wise, they've kind of gone through it all, and getting to know those students, building relationships with them, they could all tell me the exact like moment, class, teacher, mm-hmm. when kind of the wheels fell off when they became disengaged Mm. when something happened where Mm. school changed for them Mm -hmm. and like when they stopped trying when they just were not connected anymore Mm -hmm. and it was at that point in time it's like we need to do better like Mm. they were telling us something as as educators we weren't listening Right. And um, I took that moment with me as I moved on in my career as I went back into the classroom in an elementary school yeah. and from then on it was like we need to do something different we need yeah. to listen to students as individuals we need to create those environments that are speaking to students we need to you know do the scaffolding and that's when education even as a whole was really changing mm-hmm. Um, again, this was many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but as like, I was growing as an educator, education was really growing and progressing. Um, I think I started doing some of those things even before it was really catching on. Mm-hmm. And I look back at my classroom, and it was really diverse. I mean, I had tons of flexible seating before flexible seating oh, was yeah. a thing. Uh-huh. Right, right. Uh-huh. It just came... From like building that relationship and just really listening to and watching what did they need,
0: uh, you uh, know, uh.
1: if they were standing all the time, why am I trying to make them sit?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, just let them stand. Right. Like, if they're prod- on the desk, yeah. yeah, let them stand. Yeah, <laughs> they're engaged. They're cognitively uh-huh. engaged. That's what we want. Right. And so for me, like that's when it changed. So mm-hmm. that's and I kept that with me even going into administration.
0: Wow. And to think that for all those years, because if you've had them in high school, like for all those years, those kids probably just sat in the classroom feeling misunderstood or, you know, like, I mean, and I feel like if as long as they're quiet, teachers will leave them alone. Right. Mm -hmm. And so maybe they just slipped through the cracks all those years. So thank you for listening to, you know, to what they had to share and really seeing them. Um, Oh, gosh, I. I would love to hear some of those stories of like, you know, that that moment, you know, like you said, there were some like um, like the common grounds of like of like every child and their story of when they decided, you know what, school's not for me. Like, yeah, I, yeah like, oh, gosh, that's really sad. I'm sure you've been in so many different classrooms at all age groups. What's a creative way people have adapted their older ways of thinking about neurodiversity, kind of like the stigma of neurodiversity, uh, to make sure all students, regardless of, um, you know, how neurodivergent they are, feel engaged and supported in the classroom?
1: I think the classrooms where I see it the most, and the ones that are the most successful, are the ones that just kind of let go of like what is the ad- average classroom? Because if you're just creating an average classroom or an average lesson plan, you're really not going to reach anyone, mm-hmm. you know? Like no one's average. Like the so normal, just, right? The quote-unquote yeah. normal.
0: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so if you're thinking like, if I can reach like the very hardest student, um, even like towards behavior, or like who do I need to like scaffold my lesson to tailor it to the most? Like mm-hmm. if you're like pushing out those boundaries, then I mean, you're going to get everyone in between. Mm -hmm. And so the teachers who are willing to really do that and who are um, listening to those kiddos who are just really, you know, willing to have a desk, you know, that is maybe on the ground and that environment that looks completely different um, or the kid that's walking around and then the the lesson that has... um, and you know, the markers where they're just they can just write on their desks. Don't even have the transition time of getting out a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. Like, why waste that time? Just have the marker have them write on the desk. They wipe right up. Like it's mm-hmm. fine. Like make those notes right there. And then you're saving that transition time for someone, you know, with executive functioning, that it's going to be harder to pull them right back in. You've just saved all that time for them and you've kept them engaged. Right. So I I feel like just the one teachers who just kind of let go mm-hmm. of what is kind of that norm or what they feel is the norm and just watch their class, pay attention to those relationships and mm-hmm. build off of that. That's where the most success and the most mm-hmm. where I see the most creativity come
0: from. Mm, great. Uh, and then you mentioned flexible seating. So what's kind of like the craziest or like the oddest, you know, flexible seating that you've seen in a classroom?
1: Um, a podium you- in the back. <laughs> Oh. You know, it got the podium from the uh-huh. the cafeteria auditorium kind of because they wanted to stand the entire time, and mm. it was like all we could find, uh-huh. and I was like, fine, you get the podium. Wow, they loved it. You know, uh-huh. like they get their uh-huh. podium, and they like organized everything in the, <laughs> inside that's the great. podium, and uh-huh. they stood back there, and it worked. So, you know, whatever works, whatever is going to keep them cognitively engaged, uh-huh. that's our goal. Like, Mm -hmm. we don't want compliance. We want cognitive engagement. So, I mean, that should be the
0: focus. Exactly. I I think every year that I teach, like, this is my 27th year of teaching, but, you know, I learn something new every year and even throughout the year, too. And, you know, in my earlier stages of teaching, I used to want all the students to kind of conform to the traditional way of sitting, traditional way of, you know, um, of working. They had to you know, work very quietly, sitting a certain way at a certain desk, arranged a certain way. But I am learning every day that I get more out of students when I do let them stand or I do let them sit on a beanbag with a lap desk, you know, Mm -hmm. so I'm I'm learning to let go of a lot of those old ways and trying, trying new things. And like you said, Mm -hmm. listening to the students and watching what works and what, you know, and watching what doesn't work. And Mm -hmm. um, I used to always tell kids when I'm reading something or when I'm talking, they had to fully focus on me and not doodle and not do all the and fidget, you know, do all those things. But then, you know, I was contradicting myself because when I listen to like long lectures or sermons, I have to sit there and doodle in order for me to like fully focus and concentrate. I'm like, oh, I'm being a hypocrite if I don't let my students do do what I need to do to focus. Right. Just <laughs> so making those adjustments too and and trying, it's okay to let go of the control and let students be and learn in their their natural way, like the best effective way of learning and being engaged. It's hard. Exactly. <laughs>
1: it's hard. Well, and if, if you watch teachers in a professional development situation, I mean, yes, look exactly. around. And uh-huh. there is not a teacher in there doing what they right. truly would typically expect their <laughs> students to be doing.
0: Uh-huh. And I
1: think that's a really great learning experience. Right. And I think that's where there's, needs to be a shift for um, leadership in schools as well Mm -hmm. because teachers need to feel really comfortable and confident Mm -hmm. that their classrooms can look like that and their classrooms can be noisy Mm -hmm. and like somebody can walk past and it should be messy like there should be stuff out like dust should be around the kids should be on the floor standing up or walking around I mean that means students are fully engaged into what they're doing Right. And if I walk past and everybody is just sitting in a desk and it is completely quiet and it's a, in a row, I, I'm going to do a double take. They mm-hmm. get better, be matching exactly that purpose for that specific lesson, like uh-huh. what's happening. But teachers need to feel very confident in that and they need to feel very supported in that. And that absolutely comes from leadership. They need to know that, you know, they are going to try some things and it's not always going to work for every single group. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. try it if it's not working then readjust get to know your group and it's going to look different every year and it's going to look different at different times throughout the year Mm -hmm. but that's okay and so I think there needs still that that shift is still coming and that uh shift is um, in the growing process with some growing pains within leadership
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely agree and that whole support and just building that community and that culture um accepting differences, you know, and so I, I it this kind of goes straight like very smoothly into my next question, um, which is talking about sense of support. Uh let's say there's a teacher who wants to try all these different things to meet the needs of their neurodivergent students, um, but they have a teammate who is kind of saying, no, that's not what we do um, at our school, or that's not what we do on our grade level. Like you could have some resistance there. Um, or if The teacher wants to try all these things, but the um, administration says, no, that's no, that won't work or vice or or other way around. If the principal wants the teachers to try all these things and there's no support, like that could be really difficult. Now, Mm -hmm. think back to a time when you felt a strong sense of support from your colleagues, um, your your, uh, school community. Um, how can we encourage more of these supportive moments for not just not, not just the neurodivergent students, but teachers as well? What have you done as a principal to encourage this support?
1: I, for me, it's always goes back to when I was in the classroom, good or bad, I, don't, I think probably leadership probably had varying opinions on it. I, I was going to do what was best for kids. And so like, if I knew it was going to be best, I was going to push forward and going to do it mm-hmm. and then let the data speak for itself. Like, okay, like my behaviors were going to decrease. Like, I knew what I was going to do was going to work. Mm-hmm. And so I was just going to kind of push through some of those. So again, like good or bad, like how that always turned out or some of the reflection on leadership. I'm sure there are some conversations that they may have felt differently, but that's okay. It turned out well for me in the end. <laughs> it turned out better for my students. Uh-huh. Um, looking at it for teachers, I mean, just supporting the ones who want to do it. I will support them 100%. And then I that shows their success, helps bring that others in who may be doubting that. Mm-hmm. And then you just build in that success with others. Maybe pull in a few things where it's not um, build that comfort level up Mm-hmm. So you can do something that's very easy that maybe um, they are comfortable with and they start seeing little successes. And so then you can kind of push it a little bit further and a little bit further. But when teachers feel supported
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they um, that's going to their students are going to feel supported. Excellent. And when their students are feeling more supported, they're going to be more engaged. Mm-hmm. So that's going to increase academic success. Mm-hmm. And so it which intern, then the teacher is going to feel better about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so once you get that ball rolling, it mm-hmm. becomes very easy within your, within your school community. Mm-hmm. And so you, as a leader, I'm very particular about who I find mm-hmm. and I target, like I, I will go in and support those individuals first mm-hmm. because then they become my leaders Mm -hmm. And I really focus in on what they are doing and I talk about it and I show that and we really show that student success to bring others along. But Mm -hmm. it is a it's a very strategic Mm -hmm. support system that is built, Mm -hmm. but it's absolutely there. Like you Mm -hmm. bring the tools, you show exactly what strategies work. You're in the classroom with them, modeling it in everything that we do from the cafeteria to the hallways, to before school, after school, on the playground. Those techniques, those strategies, the environment that is created from the second those students get out of the car is Mm -hmm. specifically created to support every individual. And I think that's a big part of it too. It can't just be a classroom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it needs to be the library it needs to be the cafeteria it needs to be the playground it needs to be everywhere mm-hmm. for those students to for all students to feel very included and supported within the school community
0: so you're at a special school it's a school of um, arts and knowledge right um, yes. academy of arts and knowledge do you I mean I don't know if it's Okay for you to share, but do you have more students who think outside the box, who are a little bit more neurodivergent in your school population? We have a very creative population.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what I figured. Yes. We Mm -hmm. love to say that we are, all of us are unapologetically ourselves. That is our tagline from (laughs) our pre-K students through fifth grade to every single teacher. We're all very quirky. And uh-huh. we make up this amazing school community. Um, yeah. And through that, we just personalize <laughs> our education. Uh-huh. Um, we, um, everybody comes there because they are just thinking a little bit different. And so whether that you come in with a different learning plan or not, we want to know, like, how are you going to learn best? And let's let's work with that. So we are arts integrated. So we take Um, music, art, dance, drama, and we really integrate that into our core curriculum. So students have a lot of opportunity to be creative in what they are learning. mm -hmm. And now we're taking that and expanding that into the um, STEM world as well. So really building on that engineering, math, and science aspect Mm -hmm. of it Mm -hmm. um, to expand to a whole new group of students and um Mm -hmm. because I feel like I love how creative we are but we're still like missing a group that we need to like build in here so that's kind Mm -hmm. of where we're heading next oh but a very very creative group that Mm -hmm. we do think differently so Mm -hmm. that means like not only are we focusing on core instruction every single day we do 30 minutes outside of core in ELA and 30 minutes outside of core in math. That is targeted small group instruction for every single student every single day. Wow. And yeah, so it's either working on those foundational skills or critical thinking skills mm-hmm. at an individual level so we can really figure out what they need mm-hmm. at that their individual level and move them forward for academic achievement.
0: And I was when I was reading your bio, there were so many amazing accolades. Like I know under your leadership, you earned, you know, you um, I think it says uh, you earned the Performance with Distinction Award two consecutive years and you were recognized by the Colorado Department of Education, a lot of awards. So whatever you're doing, it's working. Like you said, data speaks for itself, right? Everyone's happy. They're they're, they're feeling safe to learn and 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 thrive the way that they um feel safe and and um passionate about so mm-hmm. i mean gosh you have you have the right formula down yeah. whatever you're um, doing. that's what we want we want
1: like every i want every staff member to want to be there every single day mm-hmm. right if they love coming to work and they love what they're doing then that the kids are going to love being there, right? Yeah. They want to work harder. And if they want to lo- be there every single day and they love coming to school, the parents want to get them there. right? And so it, that's ages, the form. Yeah. yeah. Like,
0: oh, really
1: everybody wants to be there and work hard every day. Mm-hmm. There you go. You're going to get academic success.
0: Wow. Okay, I want to come visit your school.
1: <laughs> Next yes, time I'm do. in Colorado, <laughs> I'm going to be like,
0: I, I was an art major. So I'm like all about the arts. too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. You have yeah. to come visit. Yes. And you know, like, My parents, um, okay, so I totally have ADHD. My parents thought it was like a stigma. So they never got me uh, tested and had me diagnosed because they thought it was like this bad label to have. But as an adult or as an educator, because I don't want to get bored in the classroom, so I'm thinking of all these different ways to teach my class. And so we're always like getting up, singing, and dancing, and moving around. Mm-hmm. And and so the kids are, you know, hopefully they're not they're not bored. They you know they can't say that they're bored. So I'm channeling my hyperactivity, like the hyper focus, for um for the good, I guess. To right. Help. I know. So I don't have to be medicated, but I'm kind of like channeling all of that to to my teaching, and I'm so glad that I'm at a school where that is welcome, then it is okay for me to do. So it's not just reading out of a textbook and teaching a certain way, so that I could do crazy things (laughs) and it's okay. (laughs) Um, Have you, or someone you know, faced any challenges as a neurodivergent educator? What has, um, what helped overcome those challenges and what advice would you give others facing similar situations?
1: Oh, of course I have, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely. my passion in this area kind of always lent itself in the like the realm of behavior. I've always been fascinated by it, and it's actually why I went back to school to learn more about trauma mm-hmm. and how to su- support trauma in schools and really like what we needed to do in that in, in our environment um to support students. And so that area has always come with um, a lot of questions and, I mean, Behavior is always one of those that's a hot topic in schools. And so that that's been just a challenge within itself. And so one thing that we always try to work on and um, within our school is just the explanation of behavior is just a very gray area. Mm -hmm. I know teachers like everything to be like very black and white. white. Uh It's this or it's this. Uh And behavior is not. I just explained it as it's gray, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be this for one kid on this day and it's going to be this for another kid on another day. And that's, that's kind of what we can say. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. we just have to go back to finding the function and build that relationship with the student Mm -hmm. and to overcome like those challenging situations. All I can say is just be open to learning, be open to growth and Mm -hmm. learn from those around you and You have to build relationship with students and with others um, to be successful in this
0: area. Relationships, relationships, relationships. That's what we preach all the time.
1: Yeah, it, that's the foundation. That's the foundation of education. That's the foundation to be successful.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. You talked about parents earlier and how to get them on board with what you're doing at school. From, ex- from your experience, how have parents or community members positively contributed to the success of neurodivergent students and uh, what small actions can communities take to make a big impact in supporting neurodiversity in education?
1: I mean, parents are the experts on their children, so we have to value that. We have to respect that, and they are our partners. Mm-hmm. So we need to welcome them in. We need to work with them as team members, and we need to learn from them. If we can work with them as a team, mm-hmm. it's going to benefit the student. Mm-hmm. And so we need to we need to learn and grow together. And I don't know if parents are always valued as team members Mm -hmm. and it can be scary as a parent coming in, like sitting with a group of professionals sitting around a table. I've Mm -hmm. sat on both sides of that table as Mm -hmm. the professional sitting around it. And then as a parent coming in Mm -hmm. um, to learn about my child who needed something different within the school system. And then I've also been told like, no, there's nothing we can do. And it's like. No, not, I don't believe that to be true. Right. Uh-huh. And so, like, you know, how do we engage our parents into that conversation and use them as a resource? Mm-hmm. So, I think there's a lot to for schools to gain by including parents into the, those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the community um, having that growth mindset, looking at a community from their family community to the classroom community to the school community. Mm-hmm. Um, to the com- local community. I mean, it is a create, creative, innovative, diverse community that we have to offer. And if you have a growth mindset, everybody has a lot to gain.
0: That is so true. Well, OK, uh, Nicole, we have the segment on our podcast called Tag Your It, where our listeners write in with a question and we ask our guests uh, this question. And this is this is a fun one. But if you could have a meal with one person, whether dead or alive, could be anyone, who would it be and why? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, <laughs> no,
1: this one is so hard. <laughs> man
0: that is a really great question i watched the recent tiktok yeah <laughs> it was funny because when they asked the adults adults had like oh mother Teresa" or oh. this person that person and then when they asked the kids most of the kids said my mom or my dad oh, like, oh my god! and i cried
1: <laughs> i know like i feel like i should have something that's really like profound no it's like prof- who comes to you on that no, but truly anyone. anyone. <laughs> I think mine would be um Quentin Tarantino, uh-huh. just because I'm so fascinated by all the films that he has brain, created. Right? No, exactly. Yeah, like the way that his brain works is just uh-huh. absolutely fascinating to me. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, just behavior in general is fascinating to me and the way people's brains work. And yes. so like. I, to have the opportunity to engage in conversation and to learn more about him and just the way that all works would just be amazing to me. So I would have to go Quentin Tarantino.
0: I'll, I'll send him a little DM. <laughs> if Nicole would like to meet with you. No. And I wonder what kind of student he was. Like every time I see yeah. a celebrity, like, you know, a celebrity interview or, yeah. or see them out like in like public settings, I'm like, I wonder what kind of student they were. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I would love to know because, yeah. yeah. Yep, so that would be mine. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay, Nicole, before we leave, I have one more question for you. Just like how I said, I wonder how all these celebrities were as students. How were you as a student?
1: <laughs> um, I was not a really great student. I was not <laughs> terrible. Uh-huh. Um, You know, I was the typical elementary student and then once I got into junior high I had figured out that if I was like talked and messed around I could get kicked out of class Uh and if I got kicked out of class I got to go down to the office and I had a lot more fun down there and I got to essentially be the assistant principals like aid and got to go run errands for them Uh and so i just worked very hard to get kicked out of
0: class oh my god
1: yeah so i spent a lot of time doing that and then in high school i just never got super connected but i knew what i wanted to do Uh i knew i wanted to be a teacher Mm-hmm. funny how like i <laughs> knew that's what i wanted to do um, uh-huh. and i knew i wanted to go to college and so i did what i needed to do to get good grades to get where i needed to be and i did that and so once i got accepted into college you know i just kind of skidded by but once i hit college then i excelled as a student and i remained extremely engaged in education ever since Mm -hmm. But, um, I think that also helped me in my career because one, I don't remove kids in the, from the classroom if they are acting up because it just teaches them to leave the classroom. Mm -hmm. Like you're giving them a free ticket. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think my path ultimately helped me as Mm -hmm. an educator, but yeah, through all that, I still knew exactly what I wanted to do. and. Awesome. I hit that college level, man. I was an awesome student. My parents were like, who are you? Like, how did this happen? <laughs> they weren't thrilled to send me because uh-huh. they were like, I think we're going to waste our money. But oh. they didn't. I did yeah. really,
0: really well. Exactly. And, you know, especially because in college, you get to choose what you study, right? Uh-huh. Like what interests you. So that was that's awesome that you had that goal. You were meant to be in the principal's office <laughs> yeah, <for laughs> early <really>. on. <laughs> I just knew where I was going with exactly. my career. <laughs> yeah, so you were interning starting early. <laughs>
1: exactly. I need to know the inner workings. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, earlier, you mentioned you know how like um, like we should look at teachers how they are in the PD, like in a you know in any kind of like professional development setting. And then um, I didn't get to share this earlier, but I had a vision of if we had to tell teachers like put your coffee away, no drinking, you know, in a PD, put your, close your plan book or put your phone away. <laughs> yeah. Just like what we do to students all day long. Like, that would, like, there would be um a, a revolution, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, they would not at be happy. Yeah. yeah, do not check the email
1: at all during a PD. Like, they'd be like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah.
0: No gum, no mint, <laughs> no talking yeah. to your colleagues, right? I know. Exactly. Well, thank you so much uh, for being here on the Schoolyard Podcast. Um, I look forward to learning more from you um, in the future. And hopefully we can have you back on the show. I would love to come back. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. As we conclude this vibrant episode in the Schoolyard, it's crystal clear that neurodivergent students and teachers are the architects of education that knows no bounds. With the insightful perspectives of our guest, Nicole Schlegel-Hope, we've explored how creativity has no limits and unconventional thinking is a cause for celebration. From tackling challenges with resilience to fostering moments of genuine support, Nicole's stories highlight the extraordinary contributions of neurodivergent individuals. I really hope we will continue to carry forward the lessons of inclusive teaching, embracing differences, and recognizing the undeniable beauty that neurodiversity brings to our shared educational journey. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Schoolyard Podcast. Remember to pack your curiosity and meet us back in the schoolyard for our next episode. Tag, you're it. Now it's your turn to write in with a question, which we will answer here on the Schoolyard Podcast for our segment called Tag, Your are It. Tag us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, or Twitter at School Specialty and hashtag Schoolyard Tag, are It with a question that you want answered. One question will be selected per episode to be answered by our featured guest and myself. If your question is chosen to be answered on the podcast, we'll send you a very special Schoolyard Podcast t-shirt. Class dismissed.